Thank you for joining me in today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I know you're going to be blessed. I'm Bertie Brits, and I'm bringing the message of God's unconditional love, mercy, and grace with you every Sunday this time, live from South Africa. Uh, today we're going to read from Colossians, and we're going to just study a little bit what it is to put on the new man and to lay down the old man and what that is all about. So many times we get so tired with this message of um, you know, we must do this for God and we must do that for God. Not tired with the message. What I'm talking about is tired because of the message. It is. It doesn't produce the power of God in our lives. It doesn't produce what we want in our lives. But it produces so many times just apathy, laziness, produces um, depression, make you feel not good enough. And God has come so that we can experience what it is to be like Him, to, to walk in dignity and worth and joy and happiness and all those type of things. That's what God has, has brought for us. If you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, a first-time viewer of Grace Stream Television, I would just especially want to welcome you and say, enjoy this. Know, that, know this one thing for sure. You're only going to hear the message of God's unconditional love. This is not a channel. This is not a program where you're going to be condemned, where we put the focus on what you must do for God, on what you've done wrong, and um, how you must now try and live up to a certain standard to get God to smile over your life. That's not what it is all about. Now, before we get into the word that I have for today in Colossians, I want to just speak a little bit on finances. Now, you might say, Bertie, this is the last Sunday of this year. Why do you want to speak on finances now? The only reason why we teach on finances is simply to teach on finances. There's no hidden motive for it. There's nothing besides just teaching you the truth about the Word of God so that you can be set free even in the area of finances. Now, one thing we must know for sure is if I get you in bondage in the law, in the area of, um, say, where you go on holiday, I've used this example many times, um, you will be in bondage maybe for two weeks of the year where you will feel guilty about holiday, where you will feel guilty about what you do. But if I get you in bondage concerning your finances, you will feel guilty every day. If I can get you in bondage concerning breathing, if I tell you, listen, if you breathe, you know, you are, uh, you know, God's judging you. You will be in condemnation every second of the day because that is maybe just one area of your life, the area of breathing, but it's something you do all the time. And the same it is with finances. It's something that we use every day. It's something that we are part of every day and that we must have every day. And if Satan can have us in bondage, in other words, under the law, when it comes to finances, we will be in bondage most of our lives. You can be set free from bondage in, in the area of um, your works. You can be set free in the area of law. You can be set free in many areas, marriage, a lot of things. But if you are in bondage concerning finances, you will experience condemnation. You will experience um, everything that's contrary to the nature of God in most of the areas of your life that's got anything to do with finances. When it comes to buying a house, clothes, car, all those type of things. And you will find all the side effects of the law like um, pride. You, you'll find a judgment. You'll judge people that are poorer than you and you'll judge people that's richer than you. You'll find um, many other things, you know, that comes in because of the law. You'll find sin uh, in your life in the area of finances where you'll just feel condemned about things you do with your money. 
So God has come to set us free so that we can have the liberty of God in the area of our finances. And that's why we speak of finances in Dynamic Web Church. We don't speak on it to see how much you can give towards this ministry. That's not the vision. God provides for this ministry. God gives to this ministry through people that's got a willing heart and say, man, this is worth, this course is worthwhile. We want to see the grace of God being spread over the world and that's why we give. Um, for no other reason, you know, do I believe uh, people give. We don't manipulate and control and um, tell you, listen, if you're going to give a hundred dollars today or a hundred rand, then tomorrow God's going to bless you with something else. That's not the way it works. Amen. And, and we're not into that. So, if you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, you can have rest and peace about that now. I want to go to Deuteronomy 14 and just touch on something when it comes to finances. And I know this is just going to bless you. It's going to touch your life. It says in Deuteronomy 14 from verse 22. Now, now before I read this, let me just give you a little bit of background on how this works. You will go and uh, you will see that there's a scripture in the Bible in um, Malachi chapter 3 where it says, Bring all the tithe to the storehouse so there might be meat in my house. Now, that teaching was based on a law. God said in Malachi chapter 3 that you are not obeying my ordinance. You're not obeying, you're not obeying the correct action upon true religion. You're not obeying my tradition. You're not obeying... Um, my uh, uh, ceremony that, and the word ceremony literally means the manifestation of religion you're not doing if you say you're a believer you're not doing the right thing and you are not bringing the tithe to the storehouse now that is what God said um, to the people in Malachi or through the prophet Malachi uh, that they should start to do that that they can, can be meet in his house so you can clearly see that the tithe was there and the purpose why God wanted them to bring the tithe was for the Levites to have food. Because the Levites didn't have property. The Levites didn't own property. They didn't have their own lands they, uh, or field. They had no inheritance in part with them. But they had to live off what the others gave. So God's concern was the Levites and his priests and they didn't have the right food and in his house there was no food. There was a struggle. Um, so we... we <laughs> We want to see it in the correct light. So God was using a command and said to them, you've disobeyed my command. And he gave a command somewhere else in the Bible that these people had to obey. And that command was given in Deuteronomy chapter 14. There's some other places as well, but I, which states, states the same thing, but this is just so much clearer. That's why I'm going to use this. Deuteronomy 14 verse 22. It says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field brings forth year by year. So what it says is, you shall bring a tithe of the seed that comes forth every year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place which He has chose, which He shall chose to place His name there. In other words, God has chosen a certain place where you must bring your tithe to, and that was then called the storehouse. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thy oil, and of the firstling of thy herd and of thy flocks, that you may learn to Fear the Lord your God always. So he says, you shall bring all these things. What will you do? You will bring the tithe to the storehouse. And what will you do with the tithe that you bring to the storehouse? Verse 23. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where the Lord your God has chosen the tithe of thy corn, thy wine, 
and, and thy oil and the firstling of thy herds and of thy flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So, what a tithe was, it was simply something that you enjoyed at a certain place and ate as a reminder that it was God that, that gave that to you. That is all. That's, that's what it was. And then the Levite also benefited out of that and other people as well. And now listen to what it says. It says, And if the way be too far for you, so that you are not able to carry it. In other words, if it's not close by and, and the load is heavy, it's, there's a lot of stuff that you must take. It says, Or the place is too far, so even if the load is not too heavy, but the place is too far, that it's difficult for you to carry it because now they've got to take all these donkeys and, and horses and carts and everything to get the stuff there. It says, um, then it says, then you shall turn it into money, verse 25, and bind the money in thy hand, and you shall go to the place which the Lord God choose. So you will then make it money. And you shall bestow that money for whatsoever your soul lusts after, for oxen, or for sheep, or wine, or strong drink, or for whatever your soul desires, and you shall eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and the whole household. So here's the whole household, they will rejoice and eat the tithe that, um, that was turned into money, and then there was bought whatsoever the soul desires or lust, lusted after, according to the old King James way of saying. So the tithe was not something that was just dumped at the church and the whole tithe was given and not touched by the people. The man who gave the tithe, that tithe was eaten before God and was a, they had to, it, they ate it before God and was a command of God. God commanded the people to tithe in such a way which, and this is the way in which you tithe. You brought your tithe, you ate that tithe and enjoyed you and your whole household. So in other words, if you want to put this in New Testament terms, now, before I say that, I want to say this to you. I don't believe that we are here to take this tithing teaching and start to try and get a model for the New Testament church. Um, all I want to sh say to you is, if we want to take it into the New Testament church, this is the way it is supposed to happen, but then it will still be a law. Because you'll not find in the New Testament anybody that it's recorded anywhere where they did this. Um, you know, and you, man, like I said, I think that the, the church, um, the, the New Testament Gentile church, didn't even know the word tithing. They didn't even know that word. There's nowhere recorded, nowhere is there one record that any Gentile knew the word tithing. They never knew it. The only place where it was recorded, where it was spoke of, was in the book of Hebrews that was written to the Jewish people. But nowhere else was the tithe spoken of to any Gentiles and the only place which is recorded where Jesus spoke about tithe was he spoke to Jewish people um, not that I say that Jewish people must tithe what I'm just saying was that that teaching ended at the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that there was the most, uh, the most powerful way of giving was implemented after that which was the nature of God in a believer Right, so um, know this, I'm not trying to make a new model, but if we want to implement this in New Testament, the way it's supposed to work is um, you, you, you say you earn 5,000 rand a month, you take 500 rand, 
and then you go to the church with the 500 rand. And you, before that, you first go to pick and pay, or the hypermarket, supermarket, whatever, and you buy whatever your soul desires. In other words, what would I like to enjoy? Man, I would like to have a T-bone steak. My wife as well. We're going to have a nice pudding afterwards, you know. Um, and we, we're going to have a bottle of wine and whatever. We're going to enjoy it. We take that 500 rand and we buy ourselves a very nice meal and that would cost for a family of five like us about 350 rand. So there's 500 rand given. You know, that's a tithe. Then I had to had to invite the pastor of the church as well, for he's got a right to partake of that. So it's going to cost like say four hundred bucks now, because there's, there's the pastor as well and his family. So now, in today's terms, that four that five hundred rand's already finished just in the meal that we will have once a month. That's it. And I will enjoy. And if, 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 if the pastor ate with somebody else that Sunday, then it would be, there would be a bit less. And whatever is left over of that, I would then throw into the basket and just give to the storehouse. So that was the Old Testament way. You know, if you want to apply that into the New, um, which I don't think the way in which it's done is correctly, um, that is... Because, I mean, the old tithe and everything there speaks of Jesus Christ anyway. It's not there. The, the Old Testament thing speaks of Christ. It doesn't speak of you. It speaks of Christ. The, this Bible is about Jesus. This is a God story. It's not a you story. It's a God story. Amen. So, um, just know this. This is exactly how this tithe worked. And then every third year, if you want to take it in today's terms, we can't say every third year because people get paid per month, especially people get salaries. Every third month you would not bring any money to the church then, um, according to these scriptures. Let's read it there. It says, um, at the end of three years you shall bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year and you shall lay it up within thy gates. So, within thy gates, here at, the, at my gate, at my house, okay, I will have the tithe. And the Levite, uh, and the Levite, because he has no part um, nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates, in other words, the people that's in this neighborhood, you, uh, shall come and it shall eat and be satisfied. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work that thy hand found to do. So, uh, <laughs> every third month then that money will be given to the poor that, that is what will happen and they will eat it with you and all the other people so again you partook of that so I will eat and the poor will eat and the people around me will eat that's how it will happen if you want to do it once a year then it would be Say you'll get 60,000, it will be 6,000 rand. Every third year you'll use 6,000 rand to give to the poor. And then there was other offerings that you could give, sin offerings and those type of things. But I, w- I don't want to get into that. But I just want to say, l- look at the scripture. And look at what people know about money today. Know this one thing, that we are not into a law system. So we're not trying to apply this. But if it would be applied, it would be this way. And this was the way in which God cared for the widows, God cared for the poor, and God cared for the priests. And that was all that was, that was in the mind of God. The mind of God was not to see how wealthy 
can he make the priest through other people's giving and how can other people even given what, give what they don't have and sell what they don't have to make the priest rich no, God's concern was that the priest at least have some food and that was basically, um, basically it now, in the New Testament we don't work that way the New Testament works this way listen, you've got the grace of God you've got the power of God and the love of God in your heart and then you see the gospel of grace being preached and you say, man, I've got this thing about I want to preach the gospel and see the gospel is being preached. And then out of that abundance that's in your heart and the revelation that God will always care for you, you give because you believe in the grace of God that says he was rich, he became poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich. So we are not made rich by our generosity but by the generosity of God. Amen. That's the New Testament term. Well, I want to just pray... Um, the blessing of God concerning finances over your life. I know it's there, but I just want to pray a prayer for you and um, just lift up your financial situation to God and lift up your mind concerning finances to God. And after that, we're going to go into worship, listen to two songs, and then we're going to get into the book of Colossians and just preach about God's unconditional love for you. Father, I want to just stretch forth my hands to every person that's got the... Uh, that's listening to this broadcast, I thank you, Father, they are blessed, that they are prosperous, that they are the people of God. I thank you, Father, that the people that are listening right now are always mindful of what you've done for them in finances and not what they must do for you. And out of that flows the generosity that you have poured out in the hearts of people. Thank you for that, my Father. I declare every person blessed. Everyone that goes through a hard time financially, it's got financial distress. I thank you, Father, that I can just speak over the situation, say the grace of God is unleashed over them, that it's set free. You are blessed by God and prosperous by God. Thank you, Father, for such a great honor to pray this over people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. We're going to go over to the worship right now. Just enjoy this worship. And then we get right into the Word of God. Okay, right, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now this talks about the law system that's been taken away because of what Jesus Christ has done. Let's read verse, verse, verse uh, let's go from verse, let's read from verse 9. It says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is now Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete, or you have this fullness, in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So it says that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily, and because it's in Jesus bodily, it dwells in you as well. And there we just see that powerful, powerful principle of representation again in the word of God Jesus is our representative and as he is so are we in this world and if the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily it means that it also dwells in us and we have that fullness now the reason why Paul was writing this to the church in Colossus simply because there were people coming and said listen we need to add things to the gospel you believe. Yes, you know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, you've, you know, Jesus died for your sins and paid for your sins. 
but you still need this, 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 and this. You still need to um, be circumcised. You still need to observe the Sabbath. You still have to do all these basic rules and principles. And they got all those basic rules and principles from the Old Testament. And um, it was also part of their tradition, was part of their culture, part of man-made rules and regulations like tech, like touch not, touch not, handle not, and those type of things. That is what he came and, 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 and spoke against and shared with them and said, listen, you've already got the fullness of God. There's nothing that you need. And um, he also uh, stated it correctly that when Christ appear, then you will appear with him in fullness. But as for now, we are satisfied with Christ in us. So you will find that in your life there is things that seems missing. Like you'll find that you become old, you'll find that you might um, die, people die, and you find gray hair, sometimes you might find weakness that you, that you find, I, I get angry or upset about things, and you've always got the struggle to stay under grace and not be part of the law and those type of things. Yes, that is so, and I want to tell you this, the fact that it's like that doesn't mean that you need anything. So many times we think we need stuff because um, we find shortcomings in our life. If you find a shortcoming in your life, it's not because you need anything. Um, you might discover more of what you've already got, but you not in need of anything. And there's nothing you can do. There's no rule or principle that you must be part of in order to see anything better in your life. In other words, if you find a necessity in your life concerning finances, it's not because you need to obey any principle to be blessed. It can only be because of a lack of knowledge um, and acknowledgement of what you have because of a lack of teaching and understanding of the Word of God, but it is not because you have not obeyed some principle and that you still need to have another principle obeyed in your life. So, what it was, and that was the context in which he wrote here. He says, you've got need of none of these things because you are complete in Him. Now, then he talks about what Christ came to do and what this completion really is. It says, in whom also you have you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, those times people said, listen man, you are a Christian, that's fine, Jesus died for you, but we've got concrete revelation out of the word of God that you must be circumcised. Like Abram was circumcised, you know, and that was even before the law. The circumcision was before the law. So some people might say, you know, but the law was fulfilled. You know, so, um, uh, but those things were before the law. That's why it must still be implemented. I, I want to tell you something, even when it comes to tithing and sowing and reaping and all those type of things. Tithing was before the law, yes. And if we want to use the principle in the Bible that says, we must apply whatsoever was used before the law we can apply right now and it's not a problem. Then we can get drunk like Noah got drunk before the law and the people that laughed at him was punished by God, was against God. Um, then we can have more than one wife. We can do that. It is not a problem if we take uh, the lady that works in the house, you know, as a wife to have children. And, and, and even your wife can even suggest that that would not be a problem because that was before the law. Um, 
you could slaughter animals as a sacrifice because that was also before the law you can not can it's a must you know if you want to say listen tithing was before the law you know then we, and the principle is if it's before the law we must apply everything that was before the law today that's fine then you must be circumcised you must sacrifice animals because Cain and Abel sacrificed animals you must do all those things you must uh, uh, turn the ground in order, in order to be blessed there's so many things that happened before that time uh, the time that the law was given which was actually part of the administration of death because the law was also hidden and then revealed when given to Moses and as Christ was hidden was revealed in Jesus Christ when he came to the earth so um, we must realize that the, the, these principles and stuff that he said we still need in order to be complete in Christ is not of God and that is what Paul was writing about here and what they were using the main thing they were using was the circumcision which was something that was before the law as well so even if the church had the argument that said but listen you know uh, the, the law was fulfilled then these Pharisees and Sadducees and people of the law the lawyers is, is what, what they are called in chapter 3 could have had the argument to say that was given before the law hallelujah <clears throat> so uh, we know that that was also fulfilled it says here in whom also we are circumcised excuse me with a circumcision made without hands in the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ so the circumcision of Christ is when we are in Christ then the body of the flesh is circumcised that flesh is cut off from us and that was what the old uh, old custom of circumcision talk about a man was circumcised and that was saying listen I'm cutting off my flesh and that is what it signified I'm cutting off my flesh I am becoming part of a system where it's not by flesh not by my works not by human effort and by that you can clearly see that the law system existed long before the law was given for God already in Abraham gave the sign that says if you're part of the covenant you're part of a covenant that says it's not by my flesh it's not by my flesh I'm part of the kingdom of God it's not by my works it's not by my effort it's not by human effort because human effort was implemented in Adam right <clears throat> you know and, and I, it's astonishing to see that there are people that still argue about that and say that the law system was only given in Moses and didn't exist before the time now how did people die because the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death so how did people why did people die from Adam to Moses just because they died no no because the wages of sin is death right um, verse 11 in whom we are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the putting off, of, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh now how do we put off the body of the sins of the flesh it's by the circumcision of Christ it's by believing on Jesus Christ and the circumcision of Christ was he came and the body of the sins of death was cut off um, by his death and when we believe upon him and we know that his death that he died he died upon uh, 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 for us that means that he came and he laid down the body that says by my works I will be I will be righteous before God when that body died that was when the true circumcision happened um, and we are part of that and when that circumcision uh, happened when he died the body 
when the body that says by my works I'm justified died then everybody's body that said by my work I'm justified died and all people were circumcised that is what it's all about and it is buried with him in baptism baptism in other words um, when we believed in Christ that was when we were circumcised, we were buried with Him in baptism. In other words, when we were baptized, not in just baptism in water, but in the baptism that He went through, that He went under, He died and was resurrected, we were with Him, it says, um, with Him through faith of the operation of God who has raised Him from the dead. In other words, through this faith that we have and the faith of the operation of God, faith in believing how God operates, we've been set free. Verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, has quickened, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So now what he's doing here now, he's explaining how he took away the body of sin and the uncircumcision of the flesh, which had a result of the active sin in the lives of people. How did he take that away? By verse 14, by blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So, the way in which God took away sin, the way in which He took away the flesh, the way in which He took away the sinful way of living, was by simply taking away the handwriting of ordinances which was contrary to you and by that you are circumcised and set free from the flesh or the flesh way of reaching God which existed before the law was given even. Right. How did he do that? By blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now that word ordinance is a very important word. Now let's go to Matthew. Matthew 11 and verse 28. Matthew 11 and verse 28. And this is what it says. It says, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Now I want to go to Luke 11 if I, if I remember correctly. Luke 11. Now remember the word heavy laden there. The word heavy laden. Luke 11 verse 46 it says woe unto you you lawyers or people that preach the law for you laid men with burdens grievous to be borne and you yourself touch not the burden with, with one finger now what he's saying here is he says that the people that preach the law places a burden now that word laid there means also heavy laden it's exactly the same Greek word as what Jesus used in 28. It says, Come unto me all you that labor, that word labor is work hard, and are heavy laden. Now that word heavy laden says that are overburdened with ceremony. Now the word ceremony is the, is, is the word that we find here, um, ordinance. It is overburdened with ordinances or laws or um, the practicalities of religion, the manifestation of religion. If you are overburdened, now this is what Jesus Christ said, He said, come to me all you that work very hard, it doesn't talk about physical labor there, that word labor there also, um, that word labor can be used for spiritual and physical, 
which means that is bearing fatigue because of exercise of your limbs. That means you are bearing fatigue because of the exercise of the human ability to reach righteousness before God. So he says, come unto me all you that are bearing fatigue. You are tired of trying by your own effort to be holy enough before God. And you that are under, excuse me, heavy burdens, that are under heavy burdens. In other words, um, heavy rules and regulations concerning the manifestation of your religion or what you believe. If you are under heavy burdens of what you must manifest because you're a Christian. Now, that's just making it New Testament now. Jesus uh, spoke of this actually under the Old. And uh, the context here, let me read this to you. He says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, this is verse 25, and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered unto me, of my Father. And no man knows the Son, but the Father, neither knows any man the Father, save the Son. Now listen to this. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal the Father. So no one knows the Father, but those people to whom God wants to reveal Him to. Now then he says, come unto me. And now he determines and shows the people that he want to reveal the Father to. Come unto me, all you that labor and that has become tired of being under rules and laws and regulations and the practicalities of religion and ceremony, which is the same word ceremony is the word ordinance. An ordinance. So, um, which is, an, an ordinance was a law or a rule or a regulation that had to be implemented or where you had to be part of to show the true, to, to show your true faith. If you are tired of that, God says, that's the people that I've chosen to reveal the Father to. Now, I'm going to make a statement now that can be shocking to you. But Jesus Christ chose to reveal the Father to those that can come to the place where they say, I'm tired. This rule and regulation system is making me tired. It is, the Father is revealed to people that are working hard or they labor or they are experiencing fatigue because of their hard work. So if you can come to the place um, where you can realize that you are experiencing, or the place where you are experiencing fatigue because of your hard work, you'll find that Jesus will be revealing the Father to you. And are heavy laden. Those people that are heavily burdened with laws and regulations and rules and the practicality of religion and the, the traditions of of, of laws. The, Jesus reveals Himself to them and He has chosen to reveal the Father to those people. So the Father is not revealed to everybody. But to those that can come and be 
honest with themselves in this sense that says, I am tired. I realize that this thing makes me tired. It doesn't work. It's never going to work. And let me tell you something. Uh, Everybody can come to that place if he's just willing to be honest with himself. Be honest with yourself and know that you're not going to make it. And if you want to be part of a rule or regulation system in a church, whatever it is, be honest with yourself and keep to the whole thing and do it for two weeks so that you can become tired, so that you can start to see the revelation of God's grace. I found many people when, when they, uh, like I spoke to a pastor the other day that came and visited uh, one of my services. And he's been this great pastor in the United States. And um, he acknowledged to me, and man, bless my brother, if you watch, watch this, bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of the message of grace and discovering this, you know, and being excited about this and just sharing this with me. And um, I will not name his name. I just want to use the example. And what he said is he went to the United States. They, had a, they started a church in a very successful, or rich area, had a big house. Everything um, was going well. And then... Um, he did something wrong and lost everything and his wife was running the church he's back in South Africa uh, living with the Salvation Army at the moment um, basically having nothing but now he says he's open not because he's going through a hard time but he realized that his work doesn't work and now he's hearing the message of grace and it's changing his life Christ is revealing the Father unto him so if you are listening to this for the very first time and you still feel that power in your own muscle, my friend, be very careful because that thing can rob you from seeing the truth. That thing can rob you from really... Uh, 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 Christ wants to reveal the Father to everybody, but He chose to reveal it to those that are laboring hard that's experiencing fatigue that are heavy laden that has, that's got burdens upon them that comes from the lawyers Amen it says take my yoke upon you learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Amen so if you are tired of the practicalities of religion let me tell you something Christ has come to set you free that is, that, is, that is what he's come to do. And he has taken away. Now listen to this. And, he, and this is where we started this off. He says, By blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, or um, the, 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 the things people used to put a burden upon people. That law system. That which the lawyers used. You know what, the, the, the lawyers, or the, the no, I say lawyers, that was just the, the old King James word, but the preachers of the law did was, they would lay down the law, but they would not help people to get it right, to be righteous. Like one of the laws is, be righteous. Okay, now, help me to be righteous. The law, the law preachers cannot help you to be righteous. They can just tell you what you must do. But to get it right, they cannot help you. But the thing with Jesus Christ is, He's not telling you to, to do anything to be righteous. He just came and made you righteous. That is true help. That's true help. Jesus was angry with people that laid down rules and didn't have the, and couldn't make the people what they tell them to do. 
So Jesus Christ came to lift the burden off our backs. He says, you lay heavy burdens upon people, but you can't help them to do that. So Jesus Christ is against the thing of placing difficult rules and regulations there to get people righteous through it. He is against that. He's not for that. He rebuked people that were like that. And now he said here that God came and He has set you free and He has, you've been circumcised, you've been, the body of the flesh and the death and the sinful nature type of thing is being taken away from you by Him taking the handwriting of ordinances or the heavy burdens or the, um, the practicalities of religion that was against us and which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in nailing the practicalities or what must now manifest because you are a religious person, um, as a law now, to the cross. Then he says, let no man therefore, because this is what Christ has done, judge you in meat or in drink or respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of Sabbath days, which are shadows of the things to come, but the body or the real thing is of Christ. Let no man beguile you in your reward in voluntary humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his law mind and not holding to the head which is, which, uh, from which all the body by joint and band having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles or these um, uh, 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 ordinances or the burdens or the laws or the practicalities of religion, if you have been dead with Christ from those things of the world, why as though being worldly are you subject to basic principles like ordinances or uh, um, uh, uh, what I've just said there um, that he mentioned here ordinances which is the practicalities of religion the do's and don'ts that comes with the package that says you're a believer why are you now subject to all those ordinances like touch not, taste not, handle not which all are to perish with the using after the commandment and the doctrines of men now, you are worldly according to the standards of God if you are still under rules and regulations like touch not, handle not, do not. You're worldly. Worldliness in the eyes of God is not seen by what you do. It's by what you believe you think you must do in order to be righteous before God. So you are, your worldliness is determined by what you believe, not what you do. Now, that's awesome. Thank God for that. Now, let's just go through this uh, in short again before we get into chapter 3 what he said here he says listen we are circumcised and the way we were circumcised was God took away the law because the law speaks of man's flesh because the law was under which man's flesh had to become righteous before God and through the work of the flesh 
And God said, let me take that away. Let me take that completely out of the way. And when he took the law, nailed to the cross in the body of Christ by taking a man born under the law, nailing him to the cross, the man of law, the law body died. Called the last Adam. And the new man that's raised is called Christ. Amen. So we are Christians, if you want to call it that way. And he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances. Now, the handwriting of ordinances, I know, is the Ten Commandments and any other ordinance or um, tradition or rule, set of rules that you have to do in order to be blessed before God. He took that out of the way. And he said, then there are people that want to beguile you of your reward. And the reward that we have is righteousness as a gift because we have entered into faith in what God has done for us and because of what God, God has done, of course. He says, we have, um, he says he wants to, they want to beguile you or cheat you out of your reward through voluntary humility and the worship of angels. And these people are intruding into things which they have not seen and they are vainly puffed up by their fleshly mind. Now, the word, word flesh there, or fleshly means meat as stripped from the skin. So, there is no covering upon it. It is simply muscle. It is they are muscle or human power or effort. This is there are people that are still puffed up by their own abilities and what they can do. And now they are trying to introduce you into things they, they have never seen and known and understand for it has not been revealed to these people by Christ. And now they want to bring you into bondage. And not, they are not holding to the head from which all things, from which, sorry, from which all the body by joint and bands having nourishment ministered. So the whole body is, I mean, everything is ministered from the head, which is Christ. It is knit together, and then the body of Christ increases with the increase of God. So if you want the increase of God in your life, you must get rid of the system of ordinances and rules and laws and do's and don'ts, which I want to just call in the New Testament the I become mentality and not the I am mentality. The name for God is the word Jah, which, um, which means the self-existing one. And we are made in His image, so we function from existence and not from becoming. The other word to say is the word I am. We are functioning from being, not becoming. And uh, what he says here, he says that the increase of God that we will have is from the foundation of Christ being in us and who we are and not what we try to become. So there is an increase in the body of Christ, but that is by Christ and the revelation of Him and not us. And when it even comes to finances, the increase in your life financially is not by an ordinance or a rule or a principle but one thing and that is Christ so if you want real increase in your life be in Christ and in what he says and what he's done and man be circumcised be circumcised if you want increase circumcision is the laying down of the man that says I'm justified by what I do hallelujah it says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to rules like touch not, taste not, handle not? 
Now that word ordinance there is the same word as what it says, heavy laden. Okay? It speaks of the same thing. Heavy laden. It speaks of tradition. It speaks, it speaks of law system. Like, touch not, taste not, handle not. Why are you subject to being heavy laden? Like, touch not, taste not, handle not. That's the thing that Jesus Christ said in Matthew. He says, Come to me all you that labor and are under. Touch not, taste not, handle not. And I will give you rest. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, my God. Which are all to perish with the using of the commandments and the doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. Okay? Which indeed have a show of wisdom in willpower and in humility. It looks so humble. Like the one person said, you know, we spoke to this person, this person said, you know, this other person is a quality person. Now, if somebody says somebody, you know, that person is a quality person in the sense of others aren't quality people. Um, you know, what's wrong with you? How can you say this guy is a quality person? Now, do you want to say that the others that God has made is not quality people? All people are quality people. Thank you, my God. But what happens is, when we under will worship, we are in what the Bible says here, when we are under rudiments and laws and, and traditions, we become puffed up in our fleshly mind. We, be, we begin to... You know, you've got a spiritual mind, you've got a fleshly mind. Your fleshly mind is the mind that rates you according to the law. And in the rating of the law, you become puffed up and say, well, I'm at least getting this right and this right and this right. And, and then in that, you start to um, put yourself in a certain place. You know, I'm at least here, that guy's here, and that guy's there. And then the quality people are those that are on your standard or higher, of course. Uh, because it's a fleshly mind. And then it says, which things have indeed a show, these things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility. It's got a show of wisdom in will worship and in humility. You know, we are so humble because look what we are doing for God, you know. We are so humble, we just humble ourselves to the scriptures. We're going to take our son and we're going to have him circumcised. We are so humble. We are so humble, you know. We are just humbling ourselves to the Word of God. And we're going to pray on the mountain, you know, 150 of us. And we're going to get this breakthrough over town. Look how humble we are. We are now praying this whole town through into revival. Aren't we humble? My brother or my sister, if you and that, get out of it. So that Christ can reveal the Father unto you. Or, if you're still not tired of it, go and do it properly so that you can become tired. And you can feel the burden of it. So you can experience that the lifelessness and the death of it. So you can start a call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Chapter 3. Chapter 3. If, if you be then risen with Christ... Now listen to this. Seek those things which are above. Now what he calls above and what he calls worldly here is different things. He says here that to be worldly, to be worldly is to be uh, uh, rules and regulations minded. 
And now he says, if you be risen with Christ, not, well, um, you know, if you are really risen with Christ. That's not what he's saying. He says, actually, a correct wording for that is, now that you are risen with Christ, those that believe, of course. Or another way of saying, if you're a believer. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection. Now that word affection also um, means almost like to have a little bit of nostalgia when it comes to it. uh, To have, um, you know, just make it very special for you. Set your affection on the things above and not of the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So let your affection not be do's and don'ts. Let your affection not be do's and don'ts. You know, I just forgot, you know, I studied this before I preached that word affection. Um, it, it also means a, a change of mind. But there's, there's something more deeper than that. It's just, you know, your affection, what you're passionate about, what you really love, in the depths of your being. So set your affection on the things that's above. Not on the things of, things of the earth. Now, when it talks about the things of the earth here, he's not talking about fornication. Although he's going to mention it now in, chapter, in verse 5. He's talking about the law system. Don't set your affection for the law system. But set your affection on the things of above and not of the things of the earth. For you are dead to the law. Circumcision, touch not, taste not, handle not, type of teachings are seen as worldly and the things of the earth. So don't set your affection on, well, I'm not touching this, and I'm not touching this, and I'm not doing that wrong. And I'm at least doing this right. Don't set your affection. Don't be passionate about it. Don't love it. But set your affection on the revelation on who you are in Christ Jesus and that is from above or which is above. Don't set your affection on what you must become. Set your affection on who you are in Christ. It's like, <coughs> you know, when I go and, and, and just visit with friends. I love to visit with people that already understand the grace of God. I'm not talking about preaching now. Preaching now, my vision would be that the whole world, everybody that is in the law can hear this. Um, everybody, the whole world, man, every six billion of them, that can, people can hear this message. That's my passion and, and my affection is to see this message being in the lives of people. I want to see it because I know and I've discovered what, who I am in Christ. Um, but, when I visit with people, it is, I want to visit and just have friendship and fellowship with grace-based people. Because we fellowship around the Word of God and we talk about the Gospel of Jesus. You know, when we were in the law, we didn't talk about the Gospel. We didn't talk about Jesus. But we spoke about what the church must do for Jesus. We spoke about our vision and our future and what we want to do for God and and how we want to make the church bigger and how we want to get more music instruments and how we want to just equip people to worship better. And that's what we spoke about as church leaders. But when it comes to the gospel of grace, when we fellowship now, we say, my brother, let me just share a scripture with you. And we talk about Christ. And there will be times maybe for three or four or five minutes in a day when we will talk about the vision. 
but the center of our conversation is Jesus. And we weren't saying, well, now we must talk about Jesus. We just set our affection on the things that are, that, that are above. That means I'm not going to be passionate about five keys to this and ten keys to that. For I am dead and you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear then shall you also appear with him in glory. So what he's saying is listen the, the reason why I am saying your life is hidden with Christ in God is that the fullness of life that is already within you that you already possess that you have in the body of Christ so I've got fullness of life in the body of Christ and that's the foundation from where I judge myself if I would judge myself I judge Christ and then I would see that I, the fullness of the God it is in him bodily and I already have that fullness although I don't see the manifestation of it today it is in Christ and Paul said listen set your affection on above for your life is already in Jesus for when he returns you will find that you will have a full manifestation of the fullness of God in you that's what he says and then he says mortify therefore or um, that word therefore is in accordance to in accordance to this principle that says I am already in him and I am mindful of who I am in Christ and my affection is to who I am in him according to that principle you can mortify your members which are upon the earth now what is these members that are upon the earth that is the manifestation of sin through people that in their flesh seek justification and righteousness before God being under ordinances now you'll have to listen to that again and write it down to, to really get the, the, the full thing of what I've just said mortify therefore or in accordance to what was explained in the whole of chapter 1 and 2 now your members the manifestation of sin how will we mortify that by being mindful of Christ and not trying not to do it but to say I've got a new life in Christ I'm not under burdens I'm not under ceremony I'm not under um, the touch not handle not do not I'm not making another law of fornication that says touch not handle not do not what I'm saying is I see these things maybe manifesting in my life but the way I'm going to get rid of it is by having a revelation that my life is hidden with Christ and that I am set free from every law I'm set free from everything every practicality of trying to manifest my religion by simply having a revelation of Christ who he is and saying I am in him and believing that with all my heart and making that my affection and saying that is what I am uh, uh, passionate about and through that you will find that you mortify and you kill the, these things in your life fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry now the reason why I say this um, or, or uh, uh, another scripture that testifies and confirms this is the life of Paul where he says that through the, through the law was the knowledge of sin and through the law the law worked in me all manner of concupiscence and this is he says here mortify therefore your members which are on the earth which is fornication uncleanness 
evil concupiscence. So how does evil concupiscence manifest in the lives of people? And that, that's only by being part of the system that says, let me burden you, let me put a burden upon you of rules and regulations, like the Ten Commandments and other laws and rules. He says, you can lay down concupiscence by doing what? By modifying your members. How do we modify and kill our members? Um, like Paul says, sin dwells in my members. And that is the, the, the sinful man that's activated when you try to access righteousness by the law. How do we modify that? Be- by a revelation of what happened in Christ and believing in what He's done for us. For which, listen to this, for which things sake, these sinful things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Now that word disobedience, take your Strong's Dictionary right now, open up, you'll find it means disbelief. Disbelief. Disobedience is disbelief. For obedience is having faith in what I've just preached. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. In other words, when you were in amongst those people and in the law, you also walked in all these things. He says, but now you also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So the, the, the context here is not, listen, stop to do these things. The context, context here is, have a correct revelation so that you can find a change of life. The focus is not the change of life. The focus is what Christ has done for you. Amen. Well, we're going to stop it right there. You know, if, if I go on now, we're going to be busy for another 45 minutes. Um, and uh, let's leave this for next Sunday and we'll continue there. Uh, I just want to bring one thing on, uh, to your mind. is that we will have a live broadcast at 11 p.m. South African time. That's GMT plus 2 where I'm going to speak a little bit about prophecy in the New Testament and what I feel for 2009. So join me in the live broadcast. It would be wonderful to see many of you joining me in that live broadcast, sharing where I can just share what I feel in my heart concerning prophecy and the prophetic. So um, go and meditate upon this. It, it will be in the archive. It's already in the archive. Go and listen to this. It will just touch your life in such a way that you'll just experience such a freedom that, that you will say, man, God, you know, this is awesome. This is so, so awesome. And I mean, I start out in verse 8, spoke things about before the law with, with Abram, which is just, man, it's peculiar. It's wonderful. Go and listen to that again and, and this whole thing in context. And let me tell you something. I've just preached this message. But when I'm going to listen to it, say a half an hour from now, there's going to be things that's new to me. For you can never come to the end of the depth of the simplicity in Christ. Hallelujah. And that's the gospel. My friend, if you have never received uh, what Jesus Christ has freely given unto you, I would just like you to receive this. I would just like you to receive this, you know, right now. That is what God gives you. God has come and He has given you this. He wants you to, to have what He has given. It's not a matter of He's done it for me so I don't have to receive this. No, we receive this by simply believing this. The Bible says, but as many as has received Him. 
received, he means, has believed on him. So, the way we receive is by believing and being persuaded. The Bible says, whosoever believes in his heart that Jesus died and rose again and confesses with his mouth, he is saved. Because if whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, what you must do is, you look at the name of the Lord that was manifested. The name of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus means God my Savior. If you look at that and you say, I look at the name and I call upon God that saves me. I call upon God that says, God, the God that saves people free from their works. My works cannot save me. I call upon you. Save me. You'll be saved today. It's for you. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So, um, I, I just want to pray with you. If, if that's you, uh, I would like you to just receive this right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for those that is listening to me right now. And I thank you that salvation comes to their lives as they believe right now and call upon your name. People, I want you to just call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the God that saves people free from their works. And you'll be blessed today. Thank you, Father, that you save them right now as they call upon your name. I'm not asking this, I'm thanking you that that's what you do. You save them now. In Jesus' name. They're experiencing your salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank you that you have slotted in. I just want to hear this. There's, there's, there's an announcement. Helena, what? Okay, the live broadcast, uh, I didn't say the date, the live broadcast would be 11 p.m. on the 31st of December. That is the last day of the year going into the new year. 11 p.m., that's 23 hours, the 31st of December, South African time, GMT plus 2. So, uh, yeah, just make sure you slot in there. I'm excited to, to preach that to you. And man, it's just going to be so, so awesome. Thank you that you've slotted in. Enjoy the song that we play out with and know this one thing for sure. God loves you unconditionally.